And now, the Rise Above Show, presented by Roofing.com and hosted by Diego Dante. Welcome to the Rise Above Show, presented by Roofing.com. We are in Salt Lake City, Utah, at D2DCon with my good friend, Eric Obram. How are you, man? I am fantastic and excited to be here with you. Yeah, man, it's it's a good time. We just sat down um, in... Uh, did your podcast yep i sat down i i was featured on your podcast and then we had some tacos we had tacos which were really good fantastic i wish they would give you forks they need forks so what we did is or what i did is i cut a corner off the box and made a shovel so i could shovel chicken into my mouth hole and finish the food the obstacle is the way yeah i've been reading that book and i'm referring to it in every single conversation <laughs> good um and then we're gonna, now we're going to sit down and we'll get to do our podcast. So I appreciate you coming on. And uh, so cool. So with the Rise Above show, I wanted to make sure that we introduce you. And if people don't know who you are, uh, you know, you get a chance to introduce yourself. So tell us, you know, who you are and wh- what do you do in the industry? But really, like, how did you get started in the industry? You're saying that people don't know who I am? I mean, there might no, be like one or two people out there, so I just want to make sure for those so two people first of all, living the, in a cave. The first thing that I wanted to say, though, is, and you can ask Lexi, when we came in this morning into the hall, we walked in, and she goes, where do you want to go? And I said, I want to find my people. And she goes, what does that mean? And I pointed at your booth, and I said, <laughs> my people are right over there. That's funny, dude. Yeah, so anyway, I just wanted to say that and say thank you again for having it. me on here. Um, so, yeah, a little bit about me. Um I got into this industry. This is kind of all I've ever done. Um, I've never had a job, per se. Uh, My grandfather started our roofing company back in the 60s before I was born, obviously. Um, I'm not Paul Reed old. We discussed that. Um, But I moved in with my grandparents when I was seven. And I followed my grandpa around watching him sell jobs to people and put roofs on. And by the time I was 10... I was on the roof. He used to have a truck and a kettle, and he put on hot tar roofs. That was all we did. And so by the time I was about 10 years old, I had an axe in my hand, and I was literally, I'll never forget it, I was chopping down um, tar around chimneys. And he would just give me an axe, and I'd go, what do you want me to do today? And he's like, chop that shit up. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's going to take all day. And he's like, yep. (laughs) And that was how I started. Um and as I got older, I w- every summer I would do that. You know, obviously I'd go to school and middle school. Um, summers in high school, I would get out and, you know, work all summer. And then he started letting me sell and estimate uh, the day I got my first, well, I got my first truck when I was 15. But when I got my actual driver's license when I was 16, the story I tell everybody is he literally gave me a yellow pad of paper, uh, one of those legal pads and with some addresses on it and he goes go sell that and i'm like what do you mean go sell that and he's like you've watched me long enough go figure it out and he gave me a couple addresses and i went and sold my first uh it was a little remop on a garage in dundee in omaha it was like 500 dollars remop and that was the first job i ever sold and from there i was hooked and i knew i guess i didn't know that there was the only thing i wanted to do but it was all you knew so. it was all i knew and um as i grew and watched him, I knew that I wanted to do, and I, I've i said it the wrong way before because I've said that I wanted to do it better. I think that's the wrong way to say it. I wanted to learn how to do it different because 
he worked so hard his whole life until I was old enough to like take over. He couldn't take a break, right? He was into his 60s, early 70s. And I wanted to figure out how to work smarter um, and not as hard as he did. Um, that being said, I was still up on roofs until I was 30. Yeah. Right until I got sober. So from there, <clears throat> you got started in the industry as a kid yep. with your grandfather. From there, how did you get to where you guys are at now with you know with your roofing company? And yeah, we'll blind, talk about the other. blind fucking luck. Um, <laughs> no, I... Uh, so in the late 90s, so I graduated high school in like 97, and in say 98, 99, right around that time, we got a couple of uh, hailstorms in Omaha. And we obviously got more work, and my grandpa and I decided that we would sell a couple residential jobs, and we didn't do that before. And we literally had a guy drive down the street past my grandpa's house, and he saw my grandpa's truck in the driveway and had our name on it. And he stopped and he pulled in and he's like, he was a Mexican guy. Uh, his name was Rosales, nicest guy I've ever met. And he stopped in the driveway and he's like, you do roofing. And my grandpa's like, yeah. He's like, I'm doing house down the street. And my grandpa's like, congratulations. You know, like, what do you want from me? And he's like, no, I, I do work for you. And he's like, I, we don't sell that. And he's like, go sell residential. I'll do the work for you. And he's like, okay. So my, we never knew it. My grandpa never subbed jobs out right like we had a little in-house crew that put these little flat roofs on and that's all we did and so that storm hit and my grandpa's like well let's go sell some shingles i'm like okay and i went out and realized that it wasn't that hard to go sell insurance work and i also figured out that if i got really good at that i didn't have to put roofs on anymore and i was tired of working hard I've got scars and burns and shit all over me. And I'm like, nah, this is what I want to do. I want to be a sales guy. So I started transitioning the company at that time to that model a little bit. Now, that being said, I didn't know shit about the storm restoration industry, right? It was back then it was meet the adjuster on the roof. You give them an estimate, like a normal retail estimate and say, this is going to cost 12 grand. And they look at it and they'd be like, yeah, that's cool. And you'd move on and you'd do the job for the homeowner and like there wasn't all this back and forth fighting and bickering and all the shit that, you know, like has made supplement companies and, you know, PAs and first party litigation attorneys and all that kind of stuff. It probably existed back then, but it wasn't like it was, you know, now. So that was how I got introduced into it. And then I was going to school. I was going to uh, college for a few years. Um, hated school. Hated, hated, hated school. Um, I tell the story about how I studying uh, booze and women. <laughs> yep. Um, I did not go to class. Um, I would go for like, I'd go for like one semester and then I wouldn't go for the next semester. And I always got the same GPA. I got a 0.089 Gosh. and they'd put you on academic probation and say, if you do it again, you're out. And so then I'd go to class and I'd get like a 3.5 and then I'd be like, fuck it. I'm good now. And then I literally did this three times in a row and I got a 0.089 and then I went back and got off of probation. So I ended up going back to Omaha and go to, went to school there. And the way I quit school was, it was not long after 9-11 and I was driving around the UNO campus and I couldn't find a parking spot. And I got very frustrated and I said, fuck this, I'm done with school. 
and I called my grandpa and I said, Grandpa, I can't find a parking spot. I'm done with this bullshit. Get me some more appointments. And he goes, are you sure? Didn't try and talk me out of it. He just goes, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm done. Like, I'm done spending money with these assholes. Like, let's go. And he's like, all right, cool. I'll have more shit for you tomorrow. And that was literally how that started and how I started kind of the transformation of taking over half the company and trying to grow it. And then I wanted to grow things, but it's odd when you have a family member that's involved in the business, especially one that's older, you know, as a grandfather, you can only change so many things and you can only spend so much money to be able to do what you want, right? So I tried to save up what I could and then grandpa passed away in 2015. And when he passed away, I took over the rest of the company and I took every dollar that I had and I invested it into the company and I bought a building and I started hiring people and I had absolutely no idea what I was doing but I knew that I'd figure it out. I've always been the guy that like, I, no matter what happens, like I'll figure it out, like with the fucking tacos. I didn't have a fork, so I'll rip some shit up and make a shovel, like, right? Like I'm, I'm gonna figure it out. And so I did, and I started going to conferences. I started going to conferences like this, and I started meeting people and learning. Um, and I pretended like I knew stuff, but I didn't. I was definitely the fake it till you make it guy. And I start, Be it till you become it. What was it? Be it till you become it. Mm, that sounds better than fake it till you make Someone it. Someone said that yesterday. I don't know. It sounds like. Oh, I like that. That's way better. <laughs> uh, but I, but I, I started doing that and I started making the right relationships and learning the right things. And over the course of the last seven, eight years or whatever it's been, I've had the opportunity to like build this really cool culture at my company and get really cool people to come work with me and be able to make friends with people like you and Hunter and Sam and, you know, everything else, um, which has just kind of catapulted, you know, what we do now. So that's how we ended up here. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of people also know you in the industry as the the roofers and recovery guy as well. So can we talk a little bit about that and how, how roofers and recovery came about? Yeah. So that's what I'm really passionate about, right? Like, yeah, I love roofing, whatever, but roofing's a widget. Um, roofing's a widget to be able to let us um, gain capital so that we can do what we want with that capital to give back and help people, right? Um, and a couple years ago, so I became friends with Paul Reed oh, three or four years ago, and we figured out that we were both sober. And we both kind of connected on that. And I don't know how long it was after we knew each other, but he called me one day and he said, hey, he goes, it'd be really cool if we could give back and, you know, like maybe send one per- person to treatment a year because that's how we were saved, right? Like Paul and I both went to a rehab facility and I know I wouldn't be sober today if I wouldn't have went to that rehab. And I was like, yeah, it's a great idea. I'm like, how do we do that? And he's like, I have no clue. He's like, but will you kick in 10 grand? And I'm like, yep. And he's like, all right, I'll kick in 10 grand too. So, excuse me, we literally both just seated the deal and talked to Kim, his wife, and said, now what do we do? And she helped us and got the 501c3 set up. And then all of a sudden, it kind of blew up a little bit. And uh, we started getting a lot of attention and people calling us asking for help. And it turned into where in the last year and a half, we've sent, you know, over 20 people to treatment, which is a lot. I mean, you know, 
treatment, we've got a great deal with Valley Hope, and it still costs us almost twenty grand. Wow! You know, every time we send somebody to treatment, so um, we've got big aspirations for roofers and recovery. Uh, you know, we are the first call sometimes that these people make. You know, um, we're trying to. What we talked about at RoofCon was that we want to reduce the stigma that's attached with addiction, right? Um, and we're in an industry filled with alpha males, right, that don't want to talk about their feelings, don't want to talk about how they're hurting, don't want to talk about, you know, just what they're going through. And so what Paul and I try to do and everybody else in Roofers and Recovery is tell people, like, dude, we've been there. There isn't a story that you can tell us that we haven't heard or that we haven't been a part of, right? Like, no one's going to judge you. We're here because somebody helped us. You know, we talked about this in, in, in our podcast before. Somebody, out of their goodness of their heart, for no money whatsoever, took the time to help me and help lead me through the 12 steps of recovery took their own time out of their life with their family and their, their kids or wife or whatever to spend time with me because, because why? Because somebody helped them because somebody helped them and they, and they knew what was so freely given to me. If I don't give it back, I don't get to keep it. Mm-hmm. I don't get to fucking keep it. And so that's just kind of become our lives. And to that point, I walk in the gym this morning, and what happens? Somebody fucking rolls up to me and goes, "You are a sober guy," and I'm like, "God, yep, that's yep, that's me." Apparently, that's just what I've become known as. So, <laughs> and that's fine. I'm okay with that because you know what? That means that people are watching for the right reasons, right? Yeah. They're watching and seeing us try to help people and have ice cream with my daughter on Sundays. I love so that. I'm good with that. Well, let me ask you a couple of uh, rapid fire questions Ooh. that I ask everyone. Okay? Got it. So the first question is. What has been um, a situation in your life where you you feel like you've failed, and how were you able to rise above from that? I've failed so many goddamn times, Diego, that there is no way to pick just one. Um, but I'll pick one, I guess. I mean, because I have failed in, I have failed in marriage. Um, I have failed in being healthy, right? Um, you know, we've got a similar story, you know, in the way of like, I was in 2012, I think it was, um, I was 310 pounds yep. when I came home from treatment in 2011, I was, I was 305 or something like that. But I was like, I was 310 when I went to treatment and I remember my wife and I, I don't know if we were married or if we were dating, but we flew to Chicago to see Louis CK yeah. perform. Right, and we went to uh, the pizza place, Giordano's. Okay, went to Giordano's that night, and I ate like a fucking pig. <laughs> right, and you know that pizza? Have you ever had it? I mean, it's like a calzone, basically. Yep. Right, it's amazing. I ate all of it. Next morning, we get up and we go to the airport, and we're literally walking to the plane, like down the little deal, and I was winded. And I'm like, dude, you're not supposed to be winded walking to the fucking plane. Right? Yeah. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. I go, I got I to gotta fix some shit. And I literally on the plane downloaded a book. And I started, the way I started, I did Atkins for like a year. Sure. And uh, 
it was the best and the worst thing it ever did because it totally fucked up my health because I ate bacon and cheese <laughs> for a year. You know what I mean? And like now my cholesterol's through the roof and I probably why I have intestinal issues now. But um, but I I did all that and I lost all the weight and you know I'm actually going to tell this story tomorrow. Um, and I lost all the weight and I got down to like. 220 right before our wedding and I, I hadn't been 220 since probably eighth grade you know what I mean yep um but I still was so uncomfortable in my own skin I still didn't feel comfortable literally wearing t-shirts right because I was I was so self-conscious yeah like and I worked out all the time and I was eating right and I was doing all the stuff but you know, like I still had tits and I still had, you know, my gut hanging over my belt, you know, that I was uncomfortable with. And like, I didn't know what to do. And I went to my doctor and I'm like, dude, I am busting my dick here trying to be healthy. And I am still like uncomfortable and I can't wear the clothes that I want to wear. And I'm not confident anymore. And I, I never was confident. Right. I just portrayed confidence. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And I ended up going and I don't tell this story very often because it, it, it's not embarrassing to me, but, it, but it's just, it's, it's interesting. I ended up going to a surgeon and I said, um, I got to do something because I can't, like, this doesn't just go away, right? It's loose skin. It's not going anywhere. And I had surgery and had like eight pounds of flesh cut off of my body. Wow. Off of my chest and my back and my stomach and everything. And it was the single worst experience most painful experience I have ever been a part of in my life. But at the same time, it was absolutely life-changing. Yeah. It completely changed how I stood. I mean, like, it completely changed my posture because I wasn't yeah. drooped over. I wasn't doing I wasn't doing the sit on a couch and hide your gut with the pillow trick, mm -hmm. right? Not just because there's a sex scene on on the movie you're watching. <laughs> but like you know, we all did that shit right and um it completely changed my confidence level and it changed um i mean it, this sounds so dumb it changed how i acted in boardroom meetings mm. right uh it, it changed how i spoke you know having the confidence to go on stage and speak i didn't have that because i was always thinking about they're looking at me and what are they looking at yeah right thought about that all the time. I had body image issues my entire, entire life growing up, entire life. Um, and what I learned from that though, was that just because you do that and I went through that pain and all that, all that stuff, right? You still have to be consistent and healthy or it will all go away in six months. Yeah. Right. Like, people that go out there and get the quick fix, whatever. Like, I didn't get a quick fix. I went out and lost over 100 pounds, right, and busted my ass for two or three years. And I decided this was my reward for doing that. But then I thought, well, I'm good. Fuck, I can do whatever I want. Uh-uh. Mm. Like, six months later, all of a sudden, I was 250, and I was starting to, like, look the same. And I'm like, oh, this is not okay. And I had to recommit myself to busting my ass and working out and eating right and being healthy and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And now that's part of my life. And so I was able to take, and usually I don't tell this story. Usually I talk about addiction and drinking and, you know, whatever else. But 
I think that people can relate to this too. You know, I mean, you tell the story as well. Um, but my life is completely changed because of that. And it's because of groups that I became part of, like with Sam and the circle and being in revolt with, with you guys. And the stuff that we focus on is getting better as humans and being healthy. You know what I mean? And, and, and the ability of doing those things to be able to give back to your family and to your people and, you know, whatever. That's what all this is about, right? Yeah. Like none of this is about making money. We'll all make money. Yeah. You know, it's all about figuring out how to, how to be better. But we can't be better and give back unless we are better. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, no, for sure. I think that also, that's going to lead into my next question for you, which is how will you know that you have succeeded in business? I won't. Okay. You can't succeed. There is no succeeding. That means that you think that you're done. Mm-hmm. Nope. Do you think that there's a... I've had a lot of... Everyone that I've asked this, let me... Everyone that I've asked this question to, it's funny because it's they've turned it around and it's never a monetary thing. Mm-mm. It's always like I, I feel like I'm successful when the people that work for me are successful. When when it always gets turned around either into the people that yeah. work for you or, it, you know, into a personal development. Like if I feel like I'm, you know, developing as a leader and I feel like I've succeeded because the, the money part of it is just you can have the money part of it and still be a terrible human being yeah. and your employees hate you and you have constant turnover because... I think it's how the question's phrased because when you say, how do you know that you've succeeded in business? Right. Right? Um, I think that, that that changes the question a little bit. I think if the question is, how do you know that you've succeeded? Mm-hmm. That's a different question. Yeah. And I think the answer to that is, if it is in business, it is the fact that my business is running itself. My people are stepping up and owning their own shit. They're owning their own place. Um, I'm there to guide and mentor. And I'll tell you right now that if there's a metric, if there's a metric on me waking up one day and saying, I did what I said I was going to do, it would be when a significant larger portion of my time is spent on roofers and recovery than it is in anything else that I'm doing other than family, right? So when when my life is able to become family, roofers and recovery, business, that's when I'll know that I've succeeded because then I'm getting to focus on the things that I'm passionate about, not the things that I have to do to be able to do those things. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. My next rapid fire question is, what's a book that's changed your life? Just for the record, I realize like I talk a lot. Like I don't shut the fuck up, do I? Oh <laughs> no, my god, dude, like I just good. keep going. Hey, god listen, damn. I've I've structured this <laughs> podcast. I've structured this podcast to where I'm using this as a chance for people to tear, tell their stories. Yeah, I love it. And so it's almost more like I'm interviewing you yeah. more than having. No, I know, but you know, like I just keep talking, and, and I'm like, uh, God damn, I just keep going, don't I? Okay, so question, <laughs> book, re- say it again. What is a book that's changed your life? God, it's such a canned answer, and I wanted to come up with something really cool that people would be like, Oh my gosh, I haven't read that. Um, I'm going to say two books. Well. Shit, I got to say, the book of AA, the big book, I mean, that literally changed my life and saved my life. 
Yeah. Right? Um, you know what? Fuck it. That's my answer. The big book is what changed my life and saved my life. And one of the things that I tell people is like, you know, people watching this will be like, I'm not a drunk and I'm not, I don't need to be in recovery and blah, blah, blah. No, you don't. Like, good for you. Like, not everybody does, right? There's people like me and Paul that have lost our privilege, you know, to be able to do that because, you know, when we drink, we break out in handcuffs. <laughs> so, like, that's just, it's not okay. But I, I truly believe that everybody in the world should read the 12 steps of recovery and realize how powerful they are and that you don't have to be in a in recovery or in an active addiction or whatever it is to be able to live that life because it's not just it's not just a way to get sober right it's actually a way of living yeah and well and how many people have issues with addiction that aren't alcohol and drugs you yeah know? because we talked about this earlier how like so I feel like there's a lot of people who, you know, yeah, if it, maybe that's not the problem, but maybe they have issues with binge eating or maybe they have issues with, you know, whatever it is, even just, you know, maybe spending too much money or yeah. there's, you know, the uh, uh, consumerism or, you know, spending too much time on, on social media that just consumes yes. your life. And it's like, you know, just being able to take that control of your life and knowing that you're in charge of your actions and your actions aren't in charge of you. you yeah. Know? I mean, it's just... If you haven't read the 12 steps, you should do yourself a favor and just look through them to understand how they can impact your life as a human. Nobody wants to do them because, you know, like it's uncomfortable work. Yep. Right. But I will tell you, every single retreat I've ever been to, it's so funny. I started going to retreats with Sam like four years ago, right? And then started going to retreats with you guys and, you know, doing all this stuff. And at every single one of them, everyone, without fail, some exercise that we do will be rooted in one of the 12 steps. Mm. And I'll sit there and be like, that's four. That's funny. That's four. Y'all didn't invent that shit. Bill and Bob did in 1932, and then they wrote it in the big book, asshole. Like, it's really funny to watch that because a lot of the stuff that we do in these personal growth and personal development groups and, and things like that that we're in, a lot of it stems from the 12 steps, and people just don't know it. Yeah. Right? A lot of people are doing the steps of, of AA and sobriety and recovery and literally have no idea that they're doing it. And if they found out, their mind would be blown. You know yeah. what I mean? So, you know what? I've never answered that question that way until today, but that is 100% my answer moving forward. If there's a book that's impacted my life and changed my life, it's the big book of AA. I love it. Well, dude, I appreciate you coming on the show. I know we've talked about it here, and, and I appreciate you having me on, on your show. A lot of fun. Um, if you guys have not gotten a chance uh, to check out your podcast, go ahead and, and just give us a quick rundown of it, you know, what quick it plug. is and like where to, where to find it. Yeah, so on all the social media platforms, but it's called Be Authentic or Get the Fuck Out. And it's, uh, it's on YouTube, it's on Facebook, it's on Apple Podcasts, it's on Spotify, Google Podcasts. I didn't even know they had Google Podcasts. Apparently someone listens to Google Podcasts, I assume. Um, William. Ah, is he a guy. Google Podcast guy? Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, so we're filming content here. Um, we're trying to drop at least one every week um, when we can. We're going to do a live um, telethon. Uh, from Be Authentic uh, next week. Uh, this probably won't be on, you know, before that. But um, we're doing, we're going to do live stuff on it as well. Um, but it's all about 
literally just sitting with people very similar to this and having authentic conversations. And we like to say that it's a comfortable place to have uncomfortable conversations. And the theme behind it is, is if you come on and you're not authentic, you got to get the fuck out. And press that button. And, and since use. Diego bought me a button today and gave me a gift, I've got a button that says, get the fuck out. So we're going to start using that if anybody comes on and isn't being authentic um, to themselves and if they're trying to be someone else. I don't like that shit. So yeah. that's the point of the podcast. Thank you for letting me plug it. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week on the next episode of the Rise Above Show presented by Roofing.com. Thank you. Thank you.